have your Bibles, open with me to the book of Acts, the sixth chapter. Acts chapter six. Uh, for those visiting with us, we do all of our worship in the morning and don't come back in the evening. I didn't explain that to some of you yesterday. Uh, and we'll be out of here by 10.30 or 11.30 or 12 o'clock or a few minutes after. It depends on how carried away I get. Uh, thank you for being here. That uh, last song Matt led has always given me a lot of trouble uh, to sing it the right way. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. I've sung most of these songs most of my life and have learned a lot of them by heart. And you, you can sing by heart. And I, I tend to close my eyes and just sing the words. I've never been too good at the verses, at the, at the notes. Uh, but that's, that's just a beautiful thought throughout that song. And I appreciate him leading it. I'm going to talk with you for a little while about lessons from Philip the Evangelist. And we meet in Acts, the sixth chapter. And just let me read the first several verses. Uh, <clears throat> now, at this time, while the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint arose on the part of the Hellenistic Jews against the native Hebrews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily serving of food. So the twelve summoned all the congregation of disciples and said, It's not desirable for us to neglect the word of God in order to serve tables. Now therefore, brethren, select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we may put in charge of this task, and we'll devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. The statement found approval with the whole congregation. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch. And you see Philip there, of course, for the first time. And we meet him just a little bit later. I'm, I'm just amazed at how much work in the body of Christ is done by people like a Philip or a Stephen. And of course, Stephen, we know, is the first Christian martyr, so to speak. He's going to give his life for the defense of the gospel. He's a powerful preacher, but Philip is as well. And we meet him here, and just let me talk with you a little bit about him. From here, we go to, uh, from Jerusalem to Samaria in Acts the 8th chapter. And we run into him again, and he's going to be talking to the Samaritans to begin with. And then God is going to call him away from them to go talk to the Ethiopian eunuch. And, and I'll have trouble with that in just a moment. I'll, I'll come back and explain some of this to you. He goes to this desert road, and from there he goes to Caesarea. Well, the first it was Otis, and then to Caesarea. And we run into him again in Acts, the 21st chapter, verse 8 where Paul is coming through from on his second missionary journey, and he's going to stay with him for a little while, and I find that very interesting that uh, he's Philip the evangelist who was one of the seven, so we know this is the right one, one of the seven, and he has four virgin daughters who are prophetesses. And there's a lot about that I don't understand and won't even try to explain to you uh, because that's not the point of the lesson this morning. But it just seems to me that whether Philip is talking to a multitude or to one person, I'm amazed at how many lives are impacted by him for the gospel of Jesus Christ. In Acts, the first chapter, verse 8, 
the apostles are told about the spread of the gospel. It'll begin first in Jerusalem, and then it's going to spread to Judea and to Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. And I think all of this was accomplished in that first century by, by men like Philip or Stephen, who is going to do some powerful work in Jerusalem for a very short period of time. Lesson one that I learned is that opportunities to do the work of God can be found in almost any place, and most of them are unexpected. Who knows the outcome of speaking to one person? I, I don't. Uh, why would you leave Samaria? I mean, I'd rather preach to a large crowd than to just one person. On the other hand, I, <clears throat> I'm just impressed that we can do so much good by talking to one person about the simple truth of God's Word. Uh, let me illustrate this. Uh, I began preaching near, well, 51 or two years ago, something like that. Anita and I moved to Athens, Georgia. And while we were there, there was a young lady, her name is Mary, still is, first name or last name, of course, has changed since she married. And she babysit for us. Came with a girl named Kathy. Kathy went to church with us. Mary didn't. She just came with Kathy. And, and we got to know her fairly well. Just a marvelous person. And the, the power of Facebook is just interesting to me. We saw Mary again. We had moved from Athens to Pensacola. And she was a teenager, 16, 17, got mixed up in drugs. And her dad called me one day and said, can Mary come and stay with y'all for a while? And she did. She came and stayed with us for a couple of weeks. We talked to her, just always enjoyed her company. And, uh, from that point on, I didn't see her. Now, we lived in Pensacola in the late 80s, or, you know, late 70s, I guess. Uh, didn't meet her again until just a month or two ago on Facebook. She found Anita in some way, but she got my phone number and called me. How long was that? 20, 30, 40 years? She didn't talk to me a long time, just said a few words. She said, you and Anita were the first two real Christians I ever met. And you turned my life around. And I never realized that we had that kind of an impact on her. I knew she had an impact on us. We enjoyed her company. One person. One person. And there have been others through the years that have done the same thing, have said some very kind things to us. I don't know if they're true or not. Uh, how do you gauge your, your Christianity? I, I just appreciate Mike's lesson so much when he, he talks about the difficulties of life and of being a preacher or being an elder. Because we're expected to be the perfect person all of the time. And so many times we're not. I, I'm just a good example of a Christian man. Well, not in my estimation. But somebody else may look at us and say, you turned my life around. And I'm thrilled that we can do things like that. Does it matter if you know my name? I don't think so. It, it surprises me how many people don't have a clue who the preacher is. I'll go to a gospel meeting and sometime later I can't think who did the preaching. I've known him for a long time. I just can't think of his name. It doesn't matter who I am, who Mike is, who Trent is. As far as my name goes, 
I'm standing behind Jesus and I'm presenting him to you. And that's the important thing about this message of the gospel going out into all the world. He talked to a eunuch on the way back to Ethiopia. Now, I don't know much about the history, but I'm told by those who studied it that there is evidence in Ethiopia of a church that met there in the early days of the church for many years. Because somebody taught one person. Unexpected, but he did. Philip, who taught the eunuch, as Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy, the second chapter of the second verse, I want you to teach faithful people who will be able in turn to teach other faithful people. And we're going to pass this down through the years. This is what God expects of us, just to speak the word in unexpected places at unexpected times. I'm impressed also with the fact that opportunities a lot of time are fleeting. You may talk to a person just once in your life. You may not see him again. Verse 29 and 30 of Acts the 8th chapter will say that the Spirit said to him, I want you to go preach to this eunuch. I want you to talk to him about the gospel. And God had the ability. Now, when Philip was through preaching to the eunuch, somehow the Spirit of God carried him away and he ended up in Azotus. And from there he went down to Caesarea. Why couldn't God just put him in the chariot to start with? I don't know the answer to all of these questions that just come up in my feeble mind. He ran. He ran. Now, I don't know what's pulling Philip's chariot. I imagine he was kind of ambling along, stopping for a coffee break every once in a while. But somehow, Philip caught up to him. Opportunities are fleeting. How do you talk to somebody about the gospel of Jesus? I know how I used to do it, and I know how I do it today. I, when I first began, it was the hardest thing in the world for me to talk to somebody one-on-one. -on -one. Preaching to a crowd bothered me a little bit, but talking to one person terrified me. And I would stammer and stutter and not be able to get much out. I picked up a lesson or two from other preachers and memorized those so I'd have somewhere to start. It's very difficult. I don't think it matters particularly what you say to them. I think you need to say something. Work on saying it better. I've improved somewhat through the years, but I'm still a very private person. I don't want to tell you much about me. I can tell you about Jesus all day long. Then learn about Jesus and say something about him. But your chance to convert somebody may never come along again. This is not just about conversion. It's about bringing someone back to the gospel. There was a preacher I knew a number of years ago. He'd been in our house We'd been in his. And I may have told you about him before. He was a good kind of guy. 
but heard word about him that he left his wife and children and had run off with another woman. This is before the days of Facebook, before the days of much of modern technology. Nobody knew where he was. But it's difficult being a preacher to be less than honest. You'll slip up somewhere and your honesty will come out. He sent the post office to change of address. We mailed church bulletins out back in the good old days. And I got a change of address from him from the post office. I know where he is. He wasn't a member of the church where I worshiped, but he was a brother in Christ. Nobody else knew where he was. What am I going to say to him if I go? And I felt duty bound to go and talk to him about his situation. That one didn't turn out too well. I knocked on the door. He answered the door. And he said to me, you can't tell me anything that I don't already know. And he closed the door. Well, that was a wasted effort, wasn't it? No. I did what I was compelled to do. God doesn't want anybody leaving him without somebody trying to bring them back. I did what I knew to do. The rest of it's on him. And I think that's the way it is in talking to people initially about the gospel of Jesus or in trying to bring someone back. Just do the best you can. Worry about perfecting it later. If the Lord wills, you'll have opportunity to talk to a number of people through your life. Lesson three is Philip preached Jesus. He didn't actually teach him. He preached about him. And to me, this is important. What do I know of the Lord? Now, I'm impressed that the auditorium class has studied first Matthew and then Mark and now Luke. And I assume you're going to do John next quarter. Isn't all of this stuff about Jesus repetitive over and over and over again? Don't you know enough about him? Well, evidently not. We need to learn more of him to tell our grandchildren or our children or the kids in Bible class or the people most anywhere. You'd be surprised at the ignorance in the world of the Son of God. Talk to him about Jesus, who he is. Now, other things in the Bible are important, church organization, scriptural worship, things like this. All of that, though, is going to come in its place. To me, it all begins with who is Jesus. He is the power behind the gospel. And we need to understand that. He's in the book of Genesis. He's in Isaiah. He's in Zechariah. He's all through the Old Testament as well as the New. He's in prophecy. He's down here real. And now we get to see him in heaven. We need to learn something about him. And we need to cement it in our minds so we can talk to people about the Son of God. That's the important part of the gospel. Jesus died for us. Now, there are so many other things that do need to be talked about. What he needed to hear. He needed to hear about the Son of God.
preaching Jesus includes a lot of things. The forgiveness of sins according to God's plan. They're traveling down the road in the chariot. Philip began in the book of Isaiah. The passage the man was reading. Who's he talking about? Himself or somebody else? And Philip began from that passage and preached unto him Jesus. Now, where in that passage do you see baptism? Well, you kind of don't. But it's included in preaching Jesus. So many things are. Learning about the church may take a lifetime. Learning about the Son of God may take a lifetime. As we improve little by little in what we know, it's more, though, than just his crucifixion and resurrection. It's about the part that we have in obedience to the gospel, and we need to complete our obedience. Do you believe that he's the Son of God? If you do, you need to bring that into complete obedience. By being baptized, we can learn about scriptural worship. We can learn about these other things at a later time. But this is what ta takes place now. It's what we need to know and understand. You start talking to people about the Son of God. And if you love him the way you should, it'll get easier and easier to preach Jesus to the people. Every time we have opportunity, we'll look for that opportunity. We'll understand that they may never have a chance again. And we'll say what we can. And it's a life's work. I can't impress this on you too much. By the time we get to Acts the 21st chapter, we're somewhere 20 years ahead in the future here. What's Philip been doing all of this time? Well, he preached in uh, Samaria for a while. He preached at a eunuch on the road, and then the Spirit took him away. I don't know. I'm just kind of impressed with how much work got done in the early church by people that we don't know anything about. What about those other five people mentioned in Acts the sixth chapter? Did they just serve tables? I don't know what they did. I know that they continued working, and Philip did. He had four children, daughters, who became prophetesses, and this is not because Philip taught them. I think the prophetess there means that the Holy Spirit came on them by the laying on of an apostle's hands, but he didn't quit. He taught his children, his grandchildren, and anybody else he had opportunity to. But there's a lot more involved in being a Christian than just things like that. I want to encourage you to, to be an encourager of other people. This passage in Matthew, the 10th chapter, has <clears throat> come to mean a lot to me through the years because uh, I don't want you to get the idea that if you don't do exactly what Philip did, you have no chance to go to heaven. That's not exactly the truth. Verse 40, he who receives you receives me. This is Jesus saying. He who receives me receives him that sent me. And there's that 
continuation, if you will. God sent Jesus. Jesus sent the apostles. But verse 40, he who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. He who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. Whoever in the name of uh, Whoever in the name of a disciple gives to one of these little ones even a cup of cold water to drink. Truly I say to you, he shall not lose his reward. To receive a prophet in the name of a prophet. That's a beautiful thought to me. I think they lived in a day and age where not everybody had a credit card. Not everybody had reservations at a hotel or a motel. They went from house to house, from door to door. They did the work of the Lord, and they stayed with other Christians. You may not understand the beauty of this, unless a preacher has stayed in your house. Now, not all of them are easy. I will promise you that. We had a man come for a gospel meeting one time, stayed with me, my family, I enjoyed him thoroughly. He did a good job. But he was looking for a pair of shoes. And he wanted me to take him shoe shopping all week. Every moment of every day that we weren't doing something else, he wanted to go shoe shopping. We spent that entire week, and he didn't find a pair of shoes that were less expensive than he could find back home. I wished he had found them when he lived at home or had just bought them and come on, I'd have paid for him so that I wouldn't have to shop. But I've stayed with a lot of people. And other people have stayed with us that we have rich rewards from their experience in our house. Preacher and his wife, and I'll tell you this story and I'll quit, came to stay with us one time. We had a four or five bedroom house, something like that. Biggest house we'd ever lived in, I guess. And <clears throat> we have four kids. Chad gave up his room for this preacher and his wife to stay in. He loved them. Come Friday night, I guess, the meeting is over. They go home Saturday, and Chad came to Anita and said, Mom, don't wash the sheets in that bedroom because they smell like Miss Norma. He loved the family. That man later baptized him. To receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, you get a prophet's reward. Doesn't just mean preaching the gospel. It means sharing with others who do the work, and when we do that, we get the rewards as well. Forgiveness, I want you to understand that all of us are evangelists in some sense of the word. Never to be ashamed of that. Never to give up on it. Be faithful to God. Complete your obedience to Him. Here is water. What hinders you from being baptized? If you need to respond this morning in any public way to the invitation of our Lord, 
We'll ask you to come while we stand and sing.